Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our scripture session, our time of prayer. We want to pray for one another, so please feel free to leave your prayer intentions in the comments. We want to know specifically what you want to ask of the Lord so we can all ask Him together. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Please spread the word. Share this video. Let invite others to join our daily online congregation. Let's turn to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank you, Father, for freedom in the Spirit. We thank you for always hearing the cry of your people who are being oppressed. We thank you for giving us a sensitivity to those in need and danger, children especially, who are abused, sold into sexual slavery, aborted in their own mother's womb, indoctrinated in schools where they should be learning reading, writing, and arithmetic, and instead are learning about gender and sexuality and perversion. Lord, give us a sensitivity to the needs of the children. Give us a responsiveness that protects the children. Awaken your preachers to address these evils. Awaken the voters to vote out those who promote these evils. Awaken hope in all of us that these evils will not, cannot have the last word. Bless this nation. Bless our church. Bless our leaders. Bless us with the gift of salvation. Bless us in knowing that in welcoming one of these least ones, we welcome you. And that if we scandalize one of these least ones, it would be better that a millstone be placed around our neck and we be thrown into the depths of the sea. Lord, you have made it clear. Kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Bless the children, bless all your people who are in need, and may we too hear their cries for help. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, the powerful reading we have today from Exodus very much is along the lines of God hearing the cries of His people who are oppressed. We're going to apply that lesson to ourselves and especially to the unborn. Let's read from Exodus chapter 3. A reading from the book of Exodus Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Leading the flock across the desert, he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in fire, flaming out of a bush. As he looked on, he was surprised to see that the bush, though on fire, was not consumed. So Moses decided, I must go over to look at this remarkable sight and see why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw him coming over to look at it more closely, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. 
He answered, Here I am. God said, Come no nearer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I am the God of your father, he continued, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. The cry of the children of Israel has reached me, and I have truly noted that the Egyptians are oppressing them. Come now, I will send you to Pharaoh to lead my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? He answered, I will be with you. And this shall be your proof that it is I who have sent you. When you bring my people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray the psalm together as well. The response is, The Lord is kind and merciful. The Lord is kind and merciful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my being bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. The Lord is kind and merciful. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your ills. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with kindness and compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful. The Lord secures justice and the rights of all the oppressed. He has made known His ways to Moses and His deeds to the children of Israel. The Lord is kind and merciful. Well, friends, we have a pivotal passage here of the Old Testament, a passage pivotal to salvation history, a passage so instructive and formative for us who fight the forces of injustice in our own times. God's people were oppressed, and God heard their cry. The Lord hears the cry of the poor, as the Psalms tell us. He secures, as we just prayed, justice for the rights of the oppressed. What does that mean? That means God, seeing that His people cannot save themselves, jumps in to save them. This is the God of justice, the God of rescue. Jumping in to save His people who cannot save themselves. He does this repeatedly throughout history. He did it actually when He created us because we could not create ourselves. We could not save ourselves, in other words, from the nothingness in which we were just 100, 150 years ago. He rescued us when we could not save ourselves. Rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. Rescued them again from the Babylonian exile. Rescued them again in Christ from the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of sin and death and Satan and hell. This is the God of salvation. This is the God of justice. This is the God who acts to save his people, intervenes in their history without them deserving it. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. He jumped into our lives by His incarnation. He jumped into our suffering and death by His passion without our even asking for it, much less deserving it. It's God's free love. God was not compelled to create us. He would have been perfectly happy without us. 
Nothing inside of him or outside of him forced him to do so. It's his free act of love. That's lesson number one here. And if God hears the cries of his people who are being oppressed, so must we. We're called to be God's people. We're called to be like God. And therefore, we have to hear the cries of those who are being oppressed. The suffering and the persecuted, the poor and the weak. And we'll get back to these themes momentarily. Children, especially, because they're the most helpless, the most defenseless. The most defenseless need the most defense. The most helpless need the most help. The ones most in need are the most priority. Every life is sacred at every stage of human existence. But not every threat to life is equal. Every life is equal, but not every threat is equal. There are some threats worse than others. There are some evils that take more life than others. All human beings are equal, but not are all equally able to defend themselves. All human beings are equal in dignity. They're not all equal in power. They're not all equal in the ability to speak up for themselves. The children are the least able to do that, and the children of the womb, in the womb are the least of the least. Now, they can't even think of it. They can't even pray for themselves. If you're totally helpless and somebody is doing something evil against you that you can't stop, at least you can pray. These children don't even know yet how to pray. All right. So we have to intervene. We have to listen. Being like God means being better able to listen to the cries of His people who are being oppressed. Waking up to the unborn. Waking up to their very existence. Love your neighbor as yourself means love your neighbor as a person like yourself. Recognize that they are a person. Recognize that they are your brothers and sisters. God intervenes. He calls us to intervene. And then in intervening here, first of all, he's appearing to Moses in a burning bush, God's fire, the fire representing love, life, intensity, purification. It's the God who is both awe-inspiring and deeply attractive, the God who makes us want to come near to him. Moses is fascinated by the bush, and yet the God who says, come no closer, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. It's the God of awe and mystery, of strength and power and majesty. It's the God of tenderness and love and embrace, the one indeed who marries us. And then he gives a mission. Notice what happens here. Moses was just going about his business that day, and now all of a sudden he has a mission. I want you to go to Pharaoh to set my people free. Now notice what Moses did not say. He didn't look up to God and say, oh, Lord, good choice. In fact, I was thinking of applying for the job myself. No, no such thing. Moses said in all humility, who am I? Lord, why are you choosing me? I'm confused. I'm not powerful. I'm nobody. I'm not a person of influence. Why do you think I can do this? 
And friends, this is a, a lesson about your own calling and mine. God, when he wants something done, specializes in choosing those who don't know what they're doing. He specializes in choosing those who do not feel qualified. He specializes in choosing us who are completely surprised and unambitious. You know, in the world of politics, I often say, and my friend David Barton, great historian and, and uh, great American patriot and, and a teacher of what patriotism means, president of the wall builders, David says, you know, when you look at those that run for public office, the ones you want are not the ones who go looking for it themselves out of power and ambition. It's the ones who aren't looking for it, but others around them say to them, you should run for office because they recognize the qualities of leadership and they try to persuade them and ultimately often do persuade them to run. Those are the kind of people you want to keep an eye on because you know they're not in it for the power and the ambition. It's not in the, 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 the initiative is not resting with them. Other people notice that they had the qualities and drafted them, if you will, and then they generously responded to the needs of their nation. Come now, I will send you, God says. It's a foreshadowing, of course, of Christ himself. Moses, in many ways, is what's called a type. In other words, a figure foreshadowing Jesus Christ. And as the Father sends the Son to rescue us from oppression of sin and death, so the Father sends Moses to rescue the people from oppression of slavery in Egypt. But notice what's happening here. God is sending Moses to Pharaoh, the ruler of the people. The call to speak truth to power. The call to expose the, the abuse of power. Moses, in the name of God, going to the one who holds the earthly power and saying, let my people go. Because earthly power can never be used to suppress humanity. That's the greatness of the American form of government, that we realize government is limited, that we realize it's off limits for government to tamper with the God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Governments are instituted to secure these rights. Governments are supposed to come alongside God and say amen to what God has already put in place. Governments are supposed to come along to human beings and say amen to the rights that they've already been given by God, not by government. And government is there to secure those rights. Government is there to serve, not to enslave. Government is there to accompany the people, not to oppress the people. This is where Pharaoh has to be set straight. Go speak truth to power. Now, in our day, we don't have in America a Pharaoh. We don't have a ruler. We don't have a king. We've got the people. We the people. In America, we the people govern ourselves. That's how at least our constitution is set up, which means that the biblical duties given to the rulers now rest on our shoulders that duty to secure the rights of the people. If government exists to secure the right to life and we govern ourselves, that means we as citizens have the duty to secure the right to life of all our brothers and sisters and our own. And God sends us to do that. 
if he sends prophets to speak to kings, if he sends Moses to speak to Pharaoh, well, then he sends you and me to speak to one another. In other words, we have to speak to the voters. We have to mobilize the, our fellow citizens because that's where the power resides. It does. Yes, we have tyrants in our midst, but the power ultimately resides with the people because we can still kick them out of office by our votes. Who's being oppressed today? It's the children above all. It's the unborn above anyone else. Nobody's more oppressed than the unborn. No, nothing takes more life than abortion. And as John Paul II told us in the Gospel of Life encyclical, this evil is bad enough in and of itself that children are being killed. You know, when it's recognized as wrong by everybody, when it's against the law, as it should be, it's still bad enough. But we have the extra layer of tragedy and evil here by the fact that the, what is bad in and of itself is being regarded by many governments not as a crime, but as a right. And so that makes the evil all the more deep and all the more urgent to be corrected. Furthermore, if this crime is being committed, even as it's celebrated as a right, that would be bad enough. But a yet another layer of the evil is that it's being carried out by family members. It's being carried out by a mother deciding to have her own child killed. It's being carried out by a father pressuring the mother to have their own child killed. It's being carried out within what the church teaches is the sanctuary of life, the family. Another level of the evil of abortion. The children are the most defenseless. Now, recently, the movie Sound of Freedom came out, and you've probably seen it. I've known Eduardo, the producer, for decades. We've talked about it. We were recently talking about it to the effect that, you know, this has to wake up the consciences of people and is waking up the consciences of people about child sex trafficking, terrible evil. It's got to be stopped. People need to know more about it. The consciences should be awakened. And we have to go to Pharaoh and say, do something about this. But why is it? Those of us who work full-time in the pro-life arena, those of us who have been battling the evil of abortion for decades, why is it that there have been movies that came out about abortion? In fact, Eduardo is behind several of them, and specifically Bella. I helped uh, in the production of that. Bella came out, powerful pro-life movie, was very successful. But the response that we're seeing to Sound of Freedom is many decibels higher, getting much more of a profound response than anything we've done to expose the evil of abortion. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Think of it this way. First of all, the children who are being trafficked, a lot of people don't know that they're being trafficked. They should know. And that's why, thank God, this movie exposes it. But let me ask you this. Does anybody including those who are doing it. Does any government official, including those that are not lifting a hand to stop it, can any of them deny, or is anyone even asking them to deny, that these children are children in the first place? That these children are human beings? Is anybody denying that? That these are living human beings? Is anybody denying that? Is any court decision denying that? Is any law denying that? 
Is any public official denying that? Is any private individual denying that? We know that they're human beings, first of all. And so the evil, therefore, impacts people more because they're not subject to this widespread deception that somehow the child isn't even human. That deception, unfortunately, hinders our response to the unborn children because our society has been living a lie that somehow or they're not quite yet fully human or they're not yet even alive or they don't even exist. Of course, if they don't exist, why do you need a procedure to kill them? Secondly, anybody suspect their mother, sister, niece, or daughter of engaging in child sex trafficking? I mean, actually doing it? I don't think so. It's a step removed from us. I mean, in terms of guilt. And therefore, I'm talking psychologically here now. It's an easier target. Now, understand what I'm saying. This is an evil that has to be exposed. I am 100% behind the effort to expose it. Sound of freedom is a great gift to our country. But again, I'm full-time fighting abortion, and, and I, I ask myself, how is it that we don't get this kind of a response, this kind of moral outrage, this kind of attention to the issue of the babies being torn apart, dismembered, not just bought and sold, not to, not to say just in regard to that, it's a, it's a horrific evil, but killed and dismembered and their skulls crushed, dismembered while they're alive. Why are we not getting the moral outrage anywhere near equi equivalent to this? Maybe it's because the guilt is at a safe distance from us. We're not afraid that we're going to offend a friend because the friend is running a child sex trafficking operation. But when it comes to abortion, we tiptoe on eggshells because, yeah, Maybe my daughter may need this one of these days, or maybe my sister had an abortion, or maybe my friend is uh, caught up in the notion that this really isn't a person and that she should have the right to do this. We've got more work to do in regard to the abortion problem than any of these other problems. We've got more enlightenment to an awakening to accomplish of consciences, more exposing of evil to do in the arena of dismembering children alive in the womb than we do about any other evil. Let's take that lesson to heart. I have heard the cry of my people who are being oppressed. Yeah, and we're deaf to it. We're still deaf. And we got many public officials who are still deaf to the cries of the children being oppressed. You know, in the Old Testament, children were sacrificed to Molech. Sons and daughters were burned in the fire. That's one of the reasons God, main reason, God brought his people into exile. And there are artistic depictions of this burning of the children in the, these statues that were basically ovens of these false gods that the people were worshiping. And as the children were being rolled into the, the furnaces, there were priests by the side of the statue beating drums. Why? Drown out the cries of the children. When the train tracks were behind the church leading people to the death camps and the trains going by, 
the parishioners inside the church could hear the cries of the folks inside. The response was disgraceful when they were told, yes, as the trains come by at the same time each Sunday morning, just sing a little louder. Sing a little louder was another short film that came out. I was also involved in the creation of that. Check that out online, sing a little louder. It tells the story of these churches at the time of the Nazi death camps. Sing a little louder. Don't bother yourselves with the cries of the people who are being oppressed. On the contrary, God says, be disturbed by these cries. Listen to these cries. Hear these cries. Let them rouse your conscience. Let them lead you to action. Get involved. I have heard. I, Almighty God, have heard the cries of my people who are being oppressed. Therefore, you, my people, are not entitled to be deaf. You are not entitled to be deaf to these cries. Listen. Open your ears. And if you lift up your hands, read Isaiah chapter 1. If you lift up your hands to me and say, Lord, have mercy, make sure that your ears are listening to those who are lifting up their hands to you, literally or figuratively, and saying, have mercy on us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for opening our ears, awakening our consciences to the evils in our midst. Poverty, persecution, oppression, modern-day slavery, child sex trafficking, and towering above all these evils, Lord God, abortion, human sacrifice, the killing of babies. Father, May we never hesitate to go to Pharaoh, to go to our fellow citizens, those who have the power to set public policy, those in whom the government resides, and to say, let my people go. Father, empower us, give speech to our tongues, enable us to speak up and to act up and to do what is right, for the saving and for the setting free of your people, born and unborn. Lord, we now pray in the words Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, thanks, friends, for watching. Uh, And I ask you, as always, connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. You may be on one or another of those social media platforms right now, but connect with me on the others as well. Invite others to do so. And support our work, ProLifeGift.org. Now, one of our our wonderful viewers uh, suggested to me, well, Father, tell us how much uh, we should give. Well, 
That all depends, of course, on each person's ability and how the Lord leads you, but a, a $25 gift helps us to actually to do a lot uh, to advance this cause, and, uh, uh, and for most people that's not, that's not uh, uh, beyond the realm of what they can do. But go to ProLifeGift.org today, especially if you've, if you've never supported us before in that way, but you want to see these messages continue. Uh, look, we're saving lives every day, but we only rely only can rely on people like you to do so. So thank you for that in advance. Friends, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Please spread the word, and let's keep enlarging our online congregation. God bless you all. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.